Hey, hi. Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is The Other Thing I Do. My guests this week are Michael Angelo Covino and Kyle Marvin, who wrote, produced, and starred in the 2019 festival favorite, The Climb, which Michael also directed. They played two guys called Mike and Kyle, who cycle into and out of each other's lives over the course of several years. It's a terrific little film about masculinity, responsibility, and maturity, if not necessarily in that order. And while its theatrical release was kneecapped by the pandemic, it's available on digital and on-demand as of today, and you should see it. Mike and Kyle chose reality, which was a bit of a surprise, honestly. At first glance, Matteo Garone's 2012 drama, starring Ineo Arena as an extroverted Naples fishmonger who becomes obsessed with appearing on the Italian version of Big Brother, doesn't seem to have much resonance with their work. But the longer we talked about it, and the more I thought about it, there was definitely something there. You'll see. This is someone else's movie. We're writing an Italian film right now, so I think we watched it recently. But but also, uh, you know, it's 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 one of those films that, like, when I first saw it, I just remembered being like, "Oh, okay, so like this is what contemporary cinema is capable of." And and, and like like there's just this whole other level of there's these directors around the world that are just making these films that are so that are so interesting and on so many levels and are, and are, I, I, I mean, I just remember being moved so deeply by it when I first saw it and being like wowed by it that I, that I, it always sticks with me as like, I tend to put films in categories based on my first viewing experience and how it affected me, affected me there. And then if I go back and watch it and analyze it, that's a whole different thing. But I, I always think of like, how much did I love a film based on, I sat down blind and I watched it and how did I feel? Yeah. It's funny, I watched it from him. So I love Gamora. I thought Gamora was, I mean, it blew me away when I saw it. And then Mike and I were, we, it was pre The Climb. Yeah. We were sitting together and he was like, have you seen reality? And I was like, no. And we just stopped what we were doing and turned it on and sat through the whole thing. And I remember just getting done and being like, yeah, y- yes. You know what I mean? That's, that was that was perfect in so many ways. Yeah, um, from the get go, you know, as soon as you, as soon as that movie starts, it's just throw, it's just throwing you into this whole universe that is absurd, past absurdity, and yet somehow is actually real, and you feel one hundred percent authentic. I mean, it is authentic, but you you just feel the honesty of the whole thing. And I think for me, that's what I always look for in a movie is is like an act, a peek into someone else's universe that I haven't, you know, had the ability to be inside of. And then to just be surprised at every moment, you know what I mean? And, and thrust into things that, that are just wonderful and painful. Yeah, it was such a, a striking divergence from Gamora, which yeah. was, what, like four years earlier. I, I actually saw Gamora, it was my one trip to Cannes, and I saw the film there in the palais and this giant screen and it's just right. overwhelming. And then he delivered this and I kept waiting for a grittier, uglier turn. But then I realized it like psychologically, the film is grittier and uglier. It just, yeah. it's just so a pretty character portrait. And I think like, not even a portrait. It's like, it's, it's so in the, it so fits into the sort of early like uh, Fellini films. Yeah. And, you know, like it feels like a contemporary, you know, like, like La Strada or, or, um, or 
uh, Knights of Kiberia or something like that, where, where you're like, you're watching this person and it's just, you, they, they have a very pure purpose and idea and way, and they're kind of naive to the rest of the world. And they're, and they're not going to be told, you know, like everything around them is telling them no, and this isn't going to happen, but they're like, they're dead set. And there's like this hopefulness and it's, 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 it's almost a um, embarrassing hopefulness because like the world is a very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the world, the world is almost like cynical around them yeah. and, and is, is like dangerous and cynical. And yet there's this sort of like childlike hopefulness just in the, in their pursuit of maybe even a dream that to us as an outside viewer is like, who would ever even want to go on big brother? Like, what is this? <laughs> but you, but you look at it within the confines of the story and you go, Oh my God. Yeah. That's, that's the answer to him. That's, that's his answer to be out of, out of this world. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just, I, there's, I, I find it beautiful. Yeah. His ultimate purpose is seemingly already realized, right? Like he is, he is the guy who kind of pulls focus at every gathering and, and yeah. draws the attention of the family, but everybody likes him. And right. the thing that fascinates me about reality as a, as a, prospect as a, as a dramatic argument is this person, he's not aware that like, if he gets this thing, people won't love him. People mm. will hate him. Like Luciano as a person that they know yeah. is a human sized person. If you put him on television, especially him, like he would suck up the oxygen. No wonder they, they don't take him, right. but his inability to understand that I mean, it's like, it's the Wizard of Oz, right? You're already happy where you are. He just doesn't have the adventure first. He just right. refuses to learn the lesson. I mean, there's something really striking about the echoing that, and it's it's almost like a, the most American movie ever. Yeah. In, in the sense that, like, there's or the I should say, I guess, the Western movie ever, where it's like there's a material goal that you've sort of defined as will will bring you happiness, and you're working so blindly hard toward it when when your happiness is all around you. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. There's something, there's such a great echo of, of sort of like our contemporary culture in, in his pursuit um, that that's, it's sort of a, it's, it subtly gets to you, you know, you're sort of, you find yourself rooting for this character, for this goal. And you're like, wait, why does this resonate so much with me? And then you're like, oh, I get it. Cause I'm, I'm sort of doing the same thing in my own way, whatever that, whatever that goal is. Yeah. And you know, there's the king of comedy too, is the antecedent is the, the person who is uniquely unqualified for a thing that he wants more than anything in the world. This yeah. isn't that though. And I, and I admire that. I appreciate the fact that Luciano could actually do it. Like if he was a little more aware of himself, like Rupert Pupkin has no talent and would not be successful. Exactly. Luciano could maybe do it if he applied himself, but he applies himself to the other thing, which is to just be attractive. Okay. Totally. Empty. I guess it's, it's so, when I first saw it, I have to admit, I kind of dismissed it as just, like a Fellini riff, which I mean, there's there is that there's the the sort of garish Italian culture portrait that that Garone is is creating, yeah. but yeah, when you picked it, I I took another look at it and it's like yeah, it's, it is saying something, isn't it? Like it's it's really picking at the allure of artifice. Yeah, that yeah. someone who is larger than life would want to be even larger yeah. in order oh, to succeed. The camera work reflects <laughs> that, and the colors reflect that. I mean, yeah. he did he committed so hard, such a bold choice in so many ways towards that end yeah and i think i also think like like candidly you know for us it's like a movie affects you based on 
what you've seen in some ways what you've seen before and and so like if you know if you haven't if you haven't watched all the films that reality is referencing or that 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 it's sort of that that Matteo Garoni has been like heavily influenced by his entire life and then making it and I just watched that in sort of a vacuum I'm just like you know overwhelmed by so many just elements that maybe I'm yet to experience and then you know and then like we've since even since then gone back and like you know really st started studying Italian cinema and I find so many common things and it's actually a really fun way for um it's a fun way to like to discover is almost like by like watching more contemporary films and then going back and seeing what they the do. DNA, yeah. The sure, yeah. Order. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I luckily had not really immersed myself in Italian cinema before seeing this film back in like 2012. So this was, uh, this was very much, um, you know, it was even at the forefront of our, our heads when we or our minds, when we were making the climb, just in terms of like the visual aesthetic and the showiness and these, sort of long tracking shots. Hmm. Well, that's true. I hadn't really thought about the con connection, but yeah, um, I'm still kind of turning over your, your scenes and the, and the, and the weddings and just like, yeah. you know, there's like, there's like a celebratory big kind of like, um, dynamic. Yeah. Dynamic. Like it's just very, uh, I, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, like, like everything, everything's like, ex it's explosively colorful yeah. and it's just, Characters it's just are so rich yeah. and you're you're in a conversation for a moment and then you're ripped over to this other place and it's i don't know i just love it yeah yeah the, i'm thinking like in terms of the long takes and the climb they always made me feel like a like a, a co-conspirator somehow a participant of constantly nervously looking over to see what else i'm missing yeah, yeah i mean there's something relentless that we that, that, that i mean i think we knew was going to be there from the outside but what you really feel as an audience member where you're like you're in a scene and you're like, I'm not breathing. You know, I'm just sitting there watching this and I'm, and I, there's no break. There's no like relief. And and I think reality does that a lot too. It, it like puts your, your feet, even though it uses, you know, it'll cut more than us. The relentlessness is there. You know, the, the idea of never letting an audience take a breath. Yeah. And the cringeworthy, the cringeworthy anticipation of something that's inevitably going to happen. Yeah. Right? It's totally. Yeah. You know, like he sneaks into the bathroom, or I forget where he sneaks into to like talk to the guy Enzo, and it's just oh, like, the dressing room, great, yeah, dressing room, great, and yeah. it's just like oh god, like and you're just like, you know, you're, you're on the edge of your seat, it's, it's, it like twists your stomach a little bit because you're just like, no, don't do this, I know how this is going to end, right. and um, that, I think that's one of my favorite emotional states that I can be put in in a film uh, is just like discomfort in a way. I don't know why I enjoy it so much, but I just like some people like horror films. I just like being uncomfortable with like situations that, that I know are going to end poorly. Yeah. Sympathetic apprehension. Yeah. 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 That's well, well defined. I get yeah. that a lot. Yeah. Uh, well, no, because we, and so much of the second half of reality is just some is uh, my wife calls it bad decision theater where the drama is about watching someone self-sabotage in, in exactly the wrong way. Yeah. Right. Way. Yeah, 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 completely. And and the climb has a little of that too, I think. Although, yeah, maybe not. Um, I, I think the I think the climb is more tender in in its approach to its characters. And reality is really just more about. Um, Danny Boyle used to tell you that he would he treats all of his protagonists like specimens and just pins them down and watches them. Yeah, and funny. I think Garone does that too. Maybe not so much in. Uh, something like Tale of Tales, where it's all fantastical and stylized, but his his earlier funny films are just about 
torturing people for yeah, our edification. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's I mean it's it's I, I think I think because we were making a love story, I think we I think we kind of implicitly knew that that wasn't that wasn't the place for this film to like to make people super uncomfortable and alienate them. Um, and I, I think like I think there was a real concern for uh, not not concern, but like a desire to try as much as we could to understand or empathize where characters were coming from with what they were doing and and like give them some even like foundational justification or 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 some understanding of like what's beneath it or what's 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 driving this this thing that they're doing or where they're coming from um and because because, because we wanted to be rooting for you know we wanted to be rooting for both you know these guys to come back together but also you know in a way you kind of like want you're like like the hope was like to root for them to be together and also for the Marissa character yeah, to be because, with them and then not to be with them. Like, I think, I think part of the fun of that and, and part of the reason why we chose the big leaps in time and the climb was to allow some amount of time to pass for you to understand that circumstances, you'll find out that circumstances have changed and that allows you to sort of reset a little bit and, and form a new opinion of like, well, maybe this was the right decision because this is the new circumstances and it's working. And then you're like, maybe it's not working. Let's break it apart. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that that sort of continues to happen in the, in the climb. Yeah, I mean, your greatest hope for this film for these characters is that through the course of the film, they are going to grow, right? Whether whether together or apart. But oh. it's it's all about the sort of hard won maturity that doesn't necessarily take right like yeah, everybody yeah. has that everybody has that friend where they hope the best for them but they yeah. kind of how is it um it was uh you know it's the favorite uncle who shows up doesn't touch alcohol and still crashes his car on the way home just yeah, that guy exactly. yeah and i think i think that's what we were very, you know we we're very interested in exploring but like i, I we um love love and again i think i think this is sort of a you know reality is kind of similar in the journey of a protagonist and that is that like you know does how much does he change by the end like yeah it's almost what, like yeah it's almost like he understands more but but it doesn't fundamentally change who he is you know yeah. what i mean yeah there's a beauty there's a beauty to putting front and center characters who are who they are and like the journey's going to happen, things are going to happen. It's you know their their um, virtues and vices will be t- tested, and you know their shortcomings might be their downfall, but they're going to probably be the exact same person or like ever so slightly changed, you know, version of that person by the end of it. And that's like uh, that's just I, I don't know why we're drawn to that, but it's, there's just something really fun and interesting about that rather than like these like wholehearted I'm this new person now type movie, which, you know, maybe we'll make someday. But, you know, right now it's like uh, it just feels more authentic because like because when you're living in life and you're tr- and you're with people who won't change, you're like, fuck, people just like will never change. And, and so like that, it, it just feels real to life when you, when you see that, you know, when you see these like broken people who keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Yeah. And you want to root for them to learn, even if they can't stop, maybe they'll understand. Right. right. That's exactly right. right. That's well said. Thanks. It's uh yeah. Reality doesn't give you that. Not really. It's <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, like this progressive delusion that he just keeps doubling down on and tripling down on and yeah but it's the same with do- like dog man is, is is like i'm like oh my you know it's the same sort of cringeworthy like just 
just, you know, just change, just change your point of view. Just don't, don't think that you're stuck in this thing or in this world or in this. And, and yet it's like, no, this, he's going to be at the whim of this other person who he looks up to. And it's, and yet there's a pride to his characters, no matter what, like, I think both in, in, in reality and in Dogman and in Gamora, there's like a, there's like a, a, a personal pride to his characters, which is never diluted, which I think is beautiful, you know? That they that even though they kick down, they sort of believe in themselves to some degree, and I think that's a really interesting, you know, it's a really interesting thing that you kind of root for no matter what, no matter how many bad decisions they make, you're kind of like, okay, you know what I mean? I'm I'm still with you. Yeah, I mean, Gamora, you could take the the you could make the argument that Gamora is all about people who so wrapped up in this identity as criminals that there is no other way and the right. world around them reflects that so why would they change right exactly exactly it's just that they keep getting killed and again <laughs> yeah and and not learning but i guess that's sort of the point where the time you start by the time you're murdering your, each other you're you're invested that's right you're you're it's too late yeah yeah. The Knights of Cabiria comparison has really stuck with me. I've been like since the Fellini box came out from Criterion, it's over there. Yeah. Um, they I've been kind of pushing back through all of those and watching his evolution. And um, like of all people, Peter Sarsgaard picked Cabiria last year for this podcast. And oh interesting. We had a great little like 25-minute conversation all about yeah. performance, but his his a case for it is basically the same, which is that it is somebody who believes so much in the goodness of, or not the, in this case, it's not really believing in the goodness of people. Um, he, uh, like Luciano believes in himself and Kabiria believes in others and, or in making other people as happy as she is. Yeah. Well, Kabiria just, just can't help but be, but be hopeful. Right. Yeah, so yeah. He actually doesn't believe in the goodness of others. Because I mean the opening. The yeah, opening. no, she's no, she's like she gets thrown, in a, she gets thrown in a river, and she's like, no, everyone sucks, yeah. everyone sucks. But like, there's this. But what it is is there's this, there's this thing deep down underneath her hardened exterior, which, which has been tried by you know life. Like life has created this hardened shell on her, and but deep, deep, deep down underneath that, she's she's like a she's like optimistic and romantic and hopeful, and and it takes a lot to drill down and get into that. And this guy does it. And then she finally lets go and then she's destroyed. And then, and then he does, you know, in one of like the best endings ever, you know, it's like he completely rips it out from her. And you're like, okay, for sure. She's just going to kill herself. And then sure enough, she's like, gets up and she smiles and you're like, and you're just like, all right. Yeah. Cause that's who she is. And, and it's like a very clean, here's the ending and here's who this character is. And this is what's, this is how she's going to live the rest of her life. You know, it's yeah. going to happen kind of thing. Yeah. I got it backwards. It's not that she believes in the goodness of people. It's that she believes in the goodness of the next person. Right. And she's wrong there too. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. 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 Luciano though, he's built a different kind of shell, right? Like his, his carapace is the performance is the, the version of himself who shows up in drag at someone else's wedding, the, the version of himself who wants to be on television. I, I don't know that we ever find out what's inside him, which I think is sort of the point. Yeah. I mean, I, I, totally. But I think there's a moment, there's a moment where you don't see it, but you feel it when he's walking around the empty or when he's walking around, when he finally gets into the set and he's walking around and like looking at it and you're watching him like touch the dream in a way. Yeah. And, and, and he's kind of jaded by that point. There's something about that that always stuck with me. 
his performance is he's sort of like seeing the world. Well, yeah, because because he, here's that why I think that film resonates with me is it's like talent is everywhere. Like you can be born in in some small village or in New York City or wherever, and you could have talent. You could have creativity. You could have all these things, but you know what what you're presented with in front of you as like the possibilities for life or this, that, you know, and, and if you become a fishmonger because you live in a village and that you become a fishmonger, but you have this idea and, and you do the best you can to sort of entertain people around that. And, and, you know, I, like, I, I love, I think I love that, like, he's a person with dreams and high hopes and has no, uh, he doesn't have the wherewithal or even the like desire to figure out how to actually go get that. Right. Like there's like for someone who has that performance, if he was smart, he'd be like, okay, cool. Let me go figure out where I can go. I'll train, I'll do drama. I'll like, you know, I'll do all these things and I'll take these steps and I'll, I'll get to be a performer, but maybe it won't be on big brother. And, but it's, there's like a simple, there's, there's a simple nature to it that I think I really respond to, you know, and, and it certainly exists in America, which is just like, I see it. That's the thing. I want that thing. But, but um, I don't like, it's just, it's, it's sad basically. Yeah. Yeah. I deserve that thing. I yeah. think we're also not talking about the most incredible thing, which is about the actor. I mean, I mean, that's the, that's the, like the meta version of this exact conversation is that he took a prisoner, but like that, that man right. was, was, was yeah, in jail. Yeah, he took a guy out of prison in order to play in the role. Right. right. Like, yeah. That's the most incredible thing too, is that, that there's like this meta nature of this character, uh, you know, aspiring for a dream. And here you take a, a guy who's, you know, a prisoner who's, who's, who is serving, serving a, life sentence. a life sentence and you, and you make him your lead actor. I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible on, on just the film side, not, not, not saying, you know, not just on the performance you're watching, but just in the idea of the whole experiment. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure I knew anything about that when I saw the film. I had no idea who this guy was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I only found out about it later, but, but I, I remember being like, wait, because he's in, he plays a small part in Dogman too. Yeah. And he's in Martin Eden last year. He's like, he's been around. He's continued to be an actor, which is great. I think he's still in jail, but I actually don't know. Amazing. We should we, we should have checked on this. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just remember when I first read that story, I was like, wait, what? What is this? This is this is the it's most incredible. fascinating thing. Yeah. It's one of those like again, like Garon, of course, he had access to the underworld people. He knew everybody from from Gamora, right? So he would make these connections. But again, how do you make that jump in your brain from oh, this guy could carry a movie? Like, totally. To- totally. It's crazy. It's a crazy choice. Yeah. Mike has a theory that you could. No, I, I mean, I, I don't have, I don't know. It's not, I, I think that, I think that per, per capita, you could probably find more Italians off the street who would be great actors than, than any other culture, just because like, they're just, they're just so emotive as is. Like you, you might have to pull them back so that they're a little less theatrical, but like for the most part, <laughs> you know, pretty much any, any Italian you find could probably, could probably, if they can take direction, be a great actor. <laughs> That's that's my that's my unproven theory. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to argue against it. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm totally kidding. I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but but again, like even the guy in uh, in Dogman, I think was like it was his first movie, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and so I I don't know. There's just something I really like. I like that 
Matteo Groni has that desire to like go and find someone who sort of purely emanates this thing that he's trying to capture mm-hmm. and then let them just be and, you know, and like, you know, and, and, you know, be there with them, operate the camera, direct them and do all these things. And, and like, there's, it's, I think it's a big risk. I'm like impressed that he gets, you know, money and resources to like go do it. Cause it's like, you're banking a lot on, you know, someone who hasn't done it, but it, it, it out of that, I think comes something like really magical that we don't often get in, in performance, which is just a rawness that, that I find like fascinating. Yeah. And, and it throws you into the movie without the artifice of, of knowing the person or the face, you know, yeah. uh, you, you just are, you're, you're thrust into, I mean, Dogman's a great, I know we're talking about reality. That's what we were doing like, with the climb. We just wanted a, a film with no, <laughs> no one recognizes the face of the guys. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, it's funny. I mean, uh, Michael, when you show up in News of the World, it's just like, oh, I just saw him in the present day. It was, there's this, it's not that you registered as contemporary. It just, it took me a second to sort of map your face into like Deadwood world. Yes. It is. Yeah. No, there are people who haven't seen The Climb who are just going to see there for the first time, right? Sorry for ruining News of the World. No, no, no. No, Certainly not. But yeah, honestly, everyone who sees the climb outside of my my personal family uh, doesn't know my face, so that's great. Like I haven't been in anything, so so I think for a lot of people that that's potentially a, a benefit in terms of just being like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I think we're at a time where there's a real appetite and desire in cinema to discover new faces, new voices, new new everything, and so like. Um, I get excited when I watch a film and I've never seen someone before and they do something just honest and amazing and real. And I'm like, yeah, I'll watch this all day long. Cause I don't, I don't need to like have the comfort of a face that I've seen a hundred times do the thing I've seen a hundred times. I'm so much more interested in a face I've never seen before that I, that I'm trying to read and trying to understand where they're coming from. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I just, I mean, unless you're, I think at this point, unless you're using a star's persona against them. Yeah. There's there's just more there's more possibility in in right or you have a chameleon you know or you have those chameleon actors who are who impress you every time I mean, right. right there's a number of those guys who I'll watch you know anytime oh yeah. sure sure and I, th- I mean I think we pretty much did cover the question of if what if anything you you pulled from reality that, that's always the way I, I go out on the podcast but uh, did I miss anything is there something like is there a direct lift from Garone in there somewhere or is there something you're planning to use. I don't think we ever directly lifted anything. Like There's that. definitely stuff we're planning to use in something else. Yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know that I don't know that there's a direct correlation other than maybe there was something from the wedding scene, but I care the, the opening wedding scene. But no, no. I, so. I mean, we loved that opening dragon shot. I thought that was like a very, very fun way to come into a film. It's awesome. Um, but but nothing like a directly referenced. We we directly referenced a couple French films in our movie but not yeah oh, that's right i forgot about that yeah. Um, yeah well this has been great uh i'm just trying to figure out if there's anything else i need to ask i just best of luck with it i mean I, so many people are going to be able to see it now just since theaters haven't been so accessible and uh yeah i mean honestly it didn't i don't think it lost anything being watched here just with my with me and kate together but uh yeah. mostly just because i really i deeply relate to the concept of like of failed maturity and and struggling. I'm older than I look. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We appreciate that. We relate to it too. Yes. (laughs) My thanks to Michelangelo Covino and Kyle Marvin 
whose excellent new film The Climb is available on digital and on demand today. You can also see Mike being mean to Tom Hanks in News of the World, which is available now as an on-demand rental. And thanks to Tamar Lee Hibbert and Brianna Hurley. They know what they did. Mike's not on Twitter, but you can find Kyle on the platform at Kyle Marvin Kyle, all one word, and their movie at Climb Film. And you can find Reality on Blu-ray and DVD from Oscilloscope Films. It's also available to rent or buy on Apple TV and streaming free on Hoopla, Canopy, and Tubi in the U.S. And yes, I checked. Aniello Arena is indeed a former Camorra hitman who was serving a life sentence in the Volterra prison when Garone met him. He's since qualified for something called Semi-Liberta, and it's allowed him to build a film and television career. Absolutely fascinating. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com, where I'm hosting a bunch of podcasts as well as writing about film and television. The latest episode of Now What features a roundtable on promising young women. You might want to check that out as well. And you can find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at someoneelsesmovie.com. Our theme song is by The Last Year. If you like it or the show in general, please say so. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you've been enjoying us. Every little bit helps. It truly does. And check out the other shows on the Frequency Podcast Network while you're there. Stay inside. Watch movies. Wear a mask if you go out. I'll see you next time.